So we've been in this series called Reckless Love. And tonight's message, we continue with the story of Jonah and we go down into the depths of the ocean. We see that Jonah gets swallowed up by the big fish, drags him down. And I'm calling this message a severe mercy. It's still mercy, but it ain't easy. It's, it's still mercy. It's still God's goodness. Like he saves Jonah's life, but you can imagine when he gets spit out of that whale, he ain't got no color in his skin no more. He's all tied up and naked with seaweed, and he barely makes it out. A severe mercy. And I got this name for this sermon from a book that was written in 1977 by Sheldon Vanekin. It was a guy who was living up in North Jersey. He was, they, he was really, really educated and um, came from this very upper middle class life in North Jersey. He met this girl, Davy. And Davy was, her, him, him and Davy, they just loved each other, right? They loved each other so much. And they decided, they decided that they were going to join together everything. Like they would have all the same friends, all the same interests, and that they would spend as much time as they could together. And they really placed all of their worth and all of their sense of happiness in each other. And it was, a, it was a powerful bond. And they came to later describe it as a burning hot pagan love. <laughs> because really what was happening was, and I'm sure that like some of you can relate here, they were utterly lost in each other. They were utterly lost. Their whole lives hung around each other. Their whole sense of happiness and their whole sense of identity came from being together. And they were together for 17 years, and you know what? They decided on purpose, like, we're not going to have any kids because we don't want anything to hold us back from that, like, springtime season of a relationship before you have kids, right, where they can just love each other. And just it'd be all about each other. And then Davy becomes a Christian, the wife. And Sheldon becomes a Christian, but takes a lot longer. And he's a lot more reluctant. <laughs> he comes into the kingdom, as some of us say, kicking and screaming. <laughs> the Holy Spirit grabs his leg and pulls him in. And as that process is happening, when Davy's 40 years old, they've been married for 17 years, she gets this rare virus and she dies. And the book is great. I, I, I just really encourage you to go get it. If um, it's, I think biographies are really helpful to, for my faith to hear like how other people's lives are, even if they're very different than yours, you can still learn a lot. It was a severe mercy, God took away this woman that was the very center of his life 
a severe mercy, a severe mercy. See, God took everything in his severe mercy. And Sheldon learned, Sheldon learned that the time that he had with Davy itself was a gift. And it was never meant, she was never meant to be God to him. She was never meant to take that place in his life. And he learned to trust the Lord. God took everything from Jonah. In his severe mercy, until all that was left was God himself. See, God isn't just the ABCs of religion. He is the A through Z. God plus nothing equals everything. That is the actual heart of Christianity. That God plus nothing else equals everything. And you could have everything else and not have God, and you have nothing. Jonah lost everything he believed in. He was told to do something that for him he felt was impossible, to go to a people he hated. And you know what? He rightfully hated them. They were a people to be hated, as we talked about last week. But God had called him there, nonetheless. God told him to go, and he said no. And we've all had those experiences where God tells us to do something, and we just put our hands up and say we just can't do it. As we read from the passage today and last week, Jonah is descending. He is falling down. He, it, it talks about him in, the, in chapter 1. It talks about him going down to Joppa. And then it further talks about him going down to the boat. And now we see that he is going down to the very depths of the sea. And then as we read in the text, in fact, he gets stuck up in the gates of death itself. He gets stuck to the foundation of the earth. In the New Testament, we read a prophecy about Jesus. Jesus tells them and he says, listen, as Jonah was in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights, so will I be. And a lot, of, a lot of commentaries, a lot of people who have written about this book, a lot of people who had studied it, believe that Jonah actually died. Which makes a lot of sense, given the text. Now, if you, there are stories all the time of people getting swallowed up by whales and being spit out, but you're talking about a few seconds. Because the problem is, when you're inside the belly of a whale, there is nothing but methane. And three days and three nights is a long time. But whether he died and God brought him back, or whether he maintained a thread of life. And as we also see a description of where the waters came up to his neck, whether he didn't die, but he was, it was a miracle. It was a miracle for God to send this fish to swallow him up. And it was basically God's Uber 
for Jonah because God, because Jonah had gone in the absolute opposite direction, but God sent a cab in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea and had him turn around and make a U-turn back to where he had told him to go in the first place. And it's funny how God does that in our lives. <laughs> like he initially tells us, do this. Then we're like, okay, I'll get to that. Let me do some other stuff first. And then like a father and a young daughter, he just spins the head around. No, pick up your toys. <laughs> do it. Our faith is founded on miracles. We believe in God is able to do things. For 35 years, our brother David Parker has had no incidents of multiple sclerosis, no flare-up. And he heard the Lord confirm he has been healed. We believe in miracles. Our sister Deb, God graciously sent her a dream months ago that provided peace and comfort and even the timing of her sister's failing when Marianne was moving around and kicking butt still. <laughs> because he knew she would need that. When we're honest, Every one of us has passed through this veil, through this reality. If we are Christians, to become a Christian is an absolute miracle. It's an absolute miracle. See, to become a Christian is not just to decide, yeah, now I like Jesus. Or, yeah, I guess I'm going to believe that. To become a Christian means the stuff I used to love doing, I still like drawn to it, but it's not the same for me anymore. The stuff I used to love doing, now it's like ash in my mouth. I want to spit it up. The stuff that I used to love doing, I'm beginning to hate more and more. And the stuff that I hated before, that you would never caught catch me dead doing, I want to do. It is a change in your heart. It is bringing you from spiritual death to life. But our sin, I mean, our turning our backs from God causes a lot of problems in our life. But here's the thing. God even uses that. He even uses our rebellion and our, our stubbornness. Can I say that to you? I, I mean, I know I am. <laughs> our stubbornness, he uses that to draw us to him. Greg, Greg Laurie reminds us that sin will always take you further than you want to go. Keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to spend. Let me say that again. Sin will always take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to spend. The severe mercy of God causes you basically to cry out, uncle. It causes you to say, enough is enough. 
I'm in the belly of the whale. The water's coming up to my neck. Seaweed is choking me out. Now I'm in the grave. See, Jonah, <laughs> Jonah caused all, jo- Jonah realizes, and, and this is one thing, like, Jonah, what does he do? He begins to pray, and he begins to turn to God when? When he literally hits the rock bottom of all rock bottoms. <laughs> Either death or some miraculous holding a thread to life, but basically dead. <laughs> in the middle of the sea, <laughs> swallowed up by a big fish. And, and, and many of us can relate to this. It's like we have no ears to hear. We're just doing the thing we want to do until we literally hit rock bottom. And it's funny because we're not all like Jonah. Everybody's rock bottom is a little different. <laughs> and some of our rock bottoms are really down there. <laughs> Like, we really got to take a beating before we put our eyes up to God. But the beautiful thing is, is that we learn with Jonah to pray at rock bottom. We learn with Jonah to cry out to God when there's nowhere else to go. So in this story, we see Jonah challenging the way we think in three different ways. And the first one is that, you know, this is one of the ways we think. We think that it's offensive that we need to be saved at all. Jonah cries out in his prayer, you cast me down into the depths. He knew it. Like, he knew that this wasn't just like life beating him up and random. Like, he knew it wasn't just like those guys threw me into the water. Of course, that's, that's, that's how we could interpret it, right? Like, like, there was a storm, these pagan guys that he got a, you know, he booked a trip with were just like, well, we don't like you because you're Jewish. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, throw them in the water. But he knew, I didn't listen to God, and you cast me down here. He might have used other people, but it was God was ultimately responsible. And... There's a point in our lives where we have to get to it, where we look beyond the circumstances, where we look beyond all these situations, and we say, you know what? You caused me to be in this spot because I turned my back to you. He cried uncle. But before he cried uncle, he risked the lives of every single person on that boat. And he sought to withhold God's love and his mercy from the over 100,000 people who lived in Nineveh where God had called him to go and preach. Most of all, he said no to the calling and the assignment that God had placed on his life. God has placed an assignment on your life. Like every single person in here. And are you like that 1981 Gloucester boy told to go to Camden and you get a bus to Cape May? 
Maybe you're called to stick it out in your marriage. Maybe you're called to serve the church. Maybe you're called to go through some new training, some new education, to clean your house, to take control of your life, or just to live in your life. Just live in your life and not be detached from it because it's too hard. Every one of us has a calling, multiple callings, assignments that God has given us. And unfulfilled assignments from God lead to wreckage and ruin in our lives. When we are disconnected and we just ignore it and we just keep going our own way, it causes ruin in our lives. But here's the good news. In the depths, in your failure, in the bottom of the sea, you can cry out to him like Jonah. When you have only the smallest little air pocket, <laughs> you use that little breath that God gives you and you cry out to God. And I really believe that there are only three prayers that we ever really pray. And so you can like listen to other people pray, it can be intimidating, and you can say, I don't know how to pray, I'm not really good at praying. But really what I hear and the way that I relate to God, there's really just three ways that I pray, and, and they're all very short. And the first one is just thank you. I remember us cleaning out a backyard, somebody living in Kensington back when we were living there for 10 years, and the woman was just overwhelmed. All her kids were on drugs and she had no help and she wasn't healthy and she couldn't do it herself. And after we were done, we held hands together and I said, do you want to pray with us? And she says, I, I don't know how to pray. And then she just cried and she said, thank you, God. Here's the other most one of the other most powerful prayers you can pray. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And here's the one that Jonah had to pray. Help me. <laughs> like if you aren't praying those three prayers throughout the week, you are not a Christian. Because I can't imagine how you can have a relationship with God where you're not asking him for help, where you're not thanking him for anything in your life, and where you're not saying, I'm sorry, because unless you're some sort of perfect person, but I know I'm not, and I know every day I got to say I'm sorry, every day I got to say help me, every day I have something to say thank you for. And we see that he, even in the belly of the whale, near the end of chapter 2, says that he will go and offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. That he will, again, be in the temple, and he will praise God, and he will give thanks. But it is a future thing. And by the way, that's an okay way to pray, too. You can pray like this. Like, I feel like crap right now. I'm angry, and I'm depressed, and I feel like I'm trapped under ice. But Lord, I will, I know that another day, I know that in weeks from now, months from now, I will praise you again. The people who were, wrote the Psalms prayed like that all the time. They're like, right now I'm in a mess, but I know that one day I'm going to get out of this mess, and I'm going to give you thanks again. And you know what? It may not be until you die. 
But it's important for you to tell yourself that. I am not going to be stuck in all this suffering forever and ever and ever. If you're united to Jesus, no matter how bad your life is, it will get better. It will get better. Number two, Jonah totally, in the belly of the world, totally wrecks our whole idea that we can fix this, that we can Iron Man our situation, right? That we can just Iron Man it up. And we try to solve our moral problems and our spiritual problems with technology. Like we just try to Iron Man through it. And there's a reason why all those life hacks don't work. There's a reason why, now I'm not saying that they're not, there's no, no place for technology. I'm not saying there's no place for those things, but I'm saying that it's like a Band-Aid on a cancer patient. You may be depressed, directionless, constantly overwhelmed and distracted, not because you need a better way of doing things, but because you need a totally new direction to go. Like, I'm always, I'm always, like, it's funny to me, like, I'll always meet people who will tell me their situation, right? And they're like, I'm suffering in it, and I'm overwhelmed. And it always kind of reminds me of, like, somebody who would, like, marry a Polish woman, but not know any Polish, and not make any effort to learn Polish, and that Polish woman never makes an effort to learn English, and it's just like, we were just in love, and we decided to just do it. She looked pretty, we just did it, we got married, and then, and then five years later, you're like, we're not close, we're fighting all the time, cook, burning dinner, there's all these problems, and it's like, I don't know what the problem is, it's like, well, you don't know Polish, and she don't know English, you didn't change nothing. <laughs> Jonah wasn't going to fix this with just a different technique. <laughs> he wasn't going to Iron Man his situation out. I mean, that's one of the great things. Like, you know, you, if you've watched the Iron Man movies and the most recent movie, is that, like, he, it, it's, it's awesome because he's like a savior figure, right? And he's a savior figure in that when it seems like there's no other option. He has a plan D, E, F, G, and he just technologies his way out of every problem. But you can't. It's, it's funny that Jonah wasn't praying until he was in the depths of the sea. It's funny that he wasn't praying on the boat in fact, what we get is a picture of him down in the, the bottom of the boat, underneath the boat. Not underneath the boat, but like he was, it says he was asleep, but probably he was like tormented and seasick and just hiding down there and in and out of consciousness. Like, you know, he had run from God. He wasn't having a good day at all. <laughs> And the boat is rocking back and forth. And you remember that the, the guys just started offloading their merchandise. When you start just dropping the stuff off your boat into the sea that is making you money, you know it's bad. 
Because you're just like, we would rather live than just have a bunch of debt. And he doesn't pray. He doesn't pray like Moses. Remember when Moses called, when God called Moses? And, and Moses had a hard time too. Like, you're telling me to go to Pharaoh? Similar level of crazy as God telling Jonah to go to Nineveh. You want me to go to the most powerful person that we know on earth at that time? And you want me to just tell him, like, you're going to do this. You're going to let my people go? And what did Moses say? Like, no, Lord, but, but, like, I, he like, but he stayed in the conversation, though. That's the key thing. Moses said no to God, but he also just stayed in God's presence. And God answered him, and he kept talking to God. He kept praying. And then God said, well, I'll send your brother with you. But Jonah didn't do none of that. He heard from God, and he's like, no, and he ran the other way. And a lot of times I think we're this way. We only pray when we get down to the depths. <laughs> but we can't fix it on our own. We can't bring or build that in Gloucester as it is in heaven. Remember all those sermons? Through our hustle. We build it through our prayer. Through God through living out his calling on us. But see, not always, we don't always find ourselves in the pit. We don't always find ourselves down and out and at rock bottom because we need forgiveness. Sometimes God needs to show us that we not just need forgiveness, we need everything from him. We need breath. We can't do this on our own. We can't fix it. I, I remember... One of my rock bottoms. I remember a few years ago, about a year before we moved to Gloucester, and I was going to some church meeting, and I was actually going because it was in Philly because I didn't know what I was going to do, and I thought maybe I'd work at this church or maybe I'd get some connection through it. So, and it was. It was snowing really bad. It was over by the art museum. Um, and I got out, and the sidewalk looked like it had been shoveled. But there was ice. It was all ice, and I didn't, I didn't realize. So I get, on the, I get on the ice, and I fall, and I bang my head, and I pass out. I wake up. And I'm like, oh, wow, like I'm kind of out of sorts. I go down to the meeting. There's a bunch of pastors there. And one of them taps my shoulder and they're like, yeah, you, the back of your head is just bleeding <laughs> real bad. Like maybe you should, you know what I mean, go to the bath. Like what's going on, you know? Anyway, I foolishly drove home. That was a really bad idea. And a couple days later, after not being able to go outside without it hurting, without not being able to read, not being able to watch TV, look at a computer. I went to the doctor. <laughs> um, yeah, it took me a while because I'm <laughs> a little dumb, <laughs> a little Irish. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's just like, yeah, you had a major concussion um, and you have post-concussion syndrome. And I went back two months later and I'm like, it's no better. Now, 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 now listen, 
At the same time, we had just come home for our daughter. She nearly, we thought she was dying. She had this crazy rare autoimmune disorder and we were going back and forth to chop. At the same time, a couple weeks after the concussion, I'm driving my mom's car who we were borrowing and it gets totaled and I get whiplash. Somebody hits us in the back. And around the same time, someone in our family is molested and I don't wanna go into the details, and at the same time, but it was a heavy, heavy thing to deal with. And at the same time, I don't know anything about my future. Not only do I not know what I'm going to do, <clears throat> I, don't, I can't read, which is like pretty much everything I had been doing involved reading up to that point in my life. And God had to take me all the way down. Not necessarily because I'd done anything wrong, but he showed me that every breath I breathe, I borrow from him. And the third and final thing that we learn from Jonah praying in the depths of the ocean is that we just don't understand the price tag of our salvation. We don't get the cost. Before God could use the, you know, save the Ninevites, he had to save Jonah, you know? And I told you that last week, like God not only cares about the mission, he cares about the missionary. He doesn't care just about the dream and the plan. He cares about the dreamers and the ones who are planning it and the workers. He cares about us. See, God could have just raised up somebody different, couldn't he have? When Jonah went the opposite way, he could have just let Jonah just go his own way, and he could have called someone who would have responded to him, right? But God is more stubborn than you are. And when you run around and you try to get away from him, he runs after you. This is the Bible. This is what the whole Bible teaches, that sin is running away from God. But God's grace is running after you. And it's like that movie in the 70s, Halloween, right? Where the women are getting slaughtered left and right. And they're running around. And they're going from room to room. And it seems like, seems like Michael Myers is slow, right? <laughs> like he can't, you know what I mean? He moves like this. <laughs> but then for some reason, every time they turn around, he's right there. <laughs> and that's what it's like. You're running and you're running and you're running, but the moment you stop and you turn around, guess who's there? The Holy Spirit. And it feels like he's there to cut you up, but he's actually to cut out all the junk in your life. He's there to do some heart surgery. He's there to change you. So we don't understand the price tag. Like I said before, Jesus said, just like Jonah laid in the belly of the whale, so will I be dead for three days and three nights and rise again. The cost of our salvation, Jesus is the better Jonah. Jonah is a story. Jonah is a picture. Jonah is a window to our savior Jesus. And he died and he hung on the cross for you and I. And he died and they put him in that tomb and they rolled the tomb over and he laid in there for three days and three nights but then he beat death and he rose again 
believe that the Holy Spirit is saying as I was praying through all this stuff. I, I just, on Thursday morning, actually, uh, uh, some guys, we prayed together. And we were praying together and we were reading through the, the letters to the seven churches in Revelations chapter two and three. And we were praying for all the things that Jesus was telling and correcting all the different seven churches. And we were praying it for Gloucester City, for Epiphany. And these couple verses stood out to me. To the church in Smyrna, Jesus said, I know your affliction and poverty, but you are rich. And then to the church in Philadelphia, he said, look, I have placed before you an open door that no one can close because you have but little power. And I believe the Holy Spirit is saying this to you right now. Listen, you don't get to say you have no power. He says, I know you have but little power, so I'm holding the door open for you. You just have to walk through it. You just have to walk through it. Amen. Amen.